Well, hey, can we jump into the word? Is that, is that, I just want to jump in right away if we can. Uh, this is the first time in a few days that I'm speaking without an interpreter, so I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, I was in Denmark and then in Sweden, spoke 10 times over three days uh, because of, I don't know why, I don't know how that happened, but it did, and I had an interpreter every time, so I'm a little, I feel a little bit free right now just to be able to speak, and, and then I can use whatever sarcastic, dry humor I want because you guys will get it. <laughs> That's what I think right there. Whatever dry, sarcastic humor I have, it's going to go over well here. That's what I want to do. First uh, Kings chapter 18. First uh, Kings chapter 18. I want to talk to you this morning about the prayer of anticipation and the act of preparation. So we're gonna, we're, this is we're going to land on. The prayer of anticipation and the act of preparation. Let me, uh, and by the way, absolutely adore Phil and Sarah. So grateful for uh, really the friendship that God's formed over the last years and just so excited to be able to partner with this church here in the UK. I am convinced that, that God is uh, preparing this nation for something significant in the world and that there is an outpouring coming and we'll talk more about that. So it's just an honor to be able to be over here and partner with you guys. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Since I came last time, by the way, it's been a massive life transition for us because when I was here in November, uh, first of all, it's, uh, I don't want to get into politics, but it is amazing since I've been in Denmark, Sweden, everybody's like, so tell me about Trump. Can you talk to me about Trump? The amount of conversations I've had in Sweden and Denmark and everywhere else about that. But since I've gotten here, not only is Trump president, but uh, our, our life's been a huge transition. My, my oldest, again, our structure's a little bit different, obviously, but my oldest is 18, and she just graduated high school and is headed off to university a couple hours away. And then my middle one went from elementary school to middle school, uh, which was a big jump. And then my youngest, my boy, went from elementary school to, no, so middle school to high school, and then my youngest went from elementary to middle school. And uh, I, do you guys have a lot of graduations over here? This is what's happening in America now, and it's a little bit irritating for me. They have graduation ceremonies for everything now. It, it, so we usually have, we used to have graduations for uh, eighth grade, going from middle school to high school, and then high school when you graduate. And now it, you, you don't have pre-K. It's like, do you have preschool? Okay, well, there's a preschool right before preschool. So they'll have, they'll have graduation for that. They have graduation for preschool. They have graduation for kindergarten. And, then, and now my son is in fifth grade going into sixth, and they had graduation for him. And what's interesting is I'm getting so old now, I'm now using the phrase, when I was a kid, like this is coming out of my mouth now, or back in the day. And, and so I, and I, he's at a Christian school, so I was the keynote speaker for these 11-year-olds who were graduating into middle school. And, and I was like, congratulations on completing your elementary years. Like, what an incredible accomplishment. Like, I don't even know what to say. And, and then, and then I'm, I'm in private going, when I was a kid, we just went from fifth grade to sixth grade. We didn't need a graduation ceremony. We just went from fifth grade to sixth grade. So uh, that's all happened, though, in just the last few months. Pretty big tr life transition for us. So here we go. First Kings chapter 18. We're going to talk about the prayer of anticipation, the act of preparation. First Corinthians 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Again, there'd been a massive drought. Uh, Elijah had proclaimed a drought in the land of Israel when Ahab was king. Jezebel was there. He just has this massive encounter on the mountain. He's about to proclaim that the drought's over. 
Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked, said there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Like I hate waiting. I hate everything about waiting. I, I do my best to avoid waiting. Um, I, 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 my son and I, we were in Florida recently on a, a speaking trip, and I took him to Universal Studios, the theme park there. And when you get in line, when you go to pay for the ticket, they give you for extra money, you can buy a ticket that allows you to skip the lines and go straight to the front. And I was like, done, yes, I'll, like I'll mortgage my house. I do not want to wait in lines. I hate waiting in lines. And, uh, and, we, and I'll do anything to avoid lines. And, and I hate waiting just in general. And, and uh, you know, when you write a book, if you've, if you've ever written a book, it's this really like huge push to meet the deadline. And then you turn in the publisher and they're like, great, it'll be out in nine months. And it's this like, just the most brutal kind of just sitting around waiting. And, and uh, uh, if you've ever had, which I have not, but if you've ever, ever had a child, it's the same thing, you know, it's that just kind of that last month before you're about to give birth, it feels like every day is a whole month as you're waiting for that. And we just hate waiting and I avoid it. I don't like it. But, but here's what the Bible says consistently. Waiting is a part of our walk with God. That one of the big parts of our walk with God is waiting. And prayer is a big part of waiting. So if you're a believer, guess what you can't avoid? Waiting. You can't pay more money to get around it. You can't skip lines with it. Part of our walk, if you really read scripture, is that we have to wait. But if we're not careful, we, we go through the motions in seasons of waiting. And we don't really live in faith during the seasons of waiting. We just go through the motions and through the actions. There's two different types of waiting that we can do. One is, and this is the one that we most understand waiting to be, most of us would understand waiting to be this kind of passive posture. It's something that you're just kind of leaning backwards on, that you're sitting in a chair, and there's something to kind of distract yourself with. So it's, it, it's you know, uh, uh, I, I'm going to watch a lot of Netflix to distract me, or uh, I, I, I'm just waiting passively. I'm not actually leaning in, I'm just waiting passively. So there's a, there's a passive concept of waiting. I'm going to wait for my friend and I'm going to go take a nap until they come. That's the passive concept of waiting and what most of our Western world would understand waiting to be. But the second type of waiting is, is the biblical type of waiting. The, the, the Bible paints and uses different words for waiting than we would understand. When the Bible says to wait on the Lord, when the Bible says to wait, it's a different concept or picture that we're supposed to embrace. Let me read a couple uh, um, uh, verses to you out of the Old Testament. Lamentations 3.25 says this, that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Listen to this, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. 
That word wait in Lamentations, the Greek word is kava. It means this, to wait, look for, hope, expect. It's to wait or look eagerly for, to lie in wait for, to wait for, lingering for. So there's a picture in scripture that we are called to wait, that, that in our prayer, prayer is a massive part of waiting, but waiting in the kingdom and biblically is not a passive posture, it's an active posture. And this is what we're called, this is how we're called to pray. Isaiah 64, 4 says this, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for those, for the one who waits for him. That word wait is a different Greek, Greek word. I'm going to butcher it, shaka. And it means this, to wait, tarry, to wait in ambush, to wait for or long for. These words have uh, more of a picture of uh, waiting in eager anticipation and waiting to ambush like a hunter would a deer. That a hunter is actually waiting for, anticipating, looking for, going to ambush an animal. That is the biblical concept of waiting. Waiting in the Bible is that I am leaning in, I'm on the edge of my seat in anticipation. When my first car, I, you, do you have Hyundais over here? I keep it, uh, so I had a 1985 Hyundai Excel four-door hatchback. I told my dad, he went to an auction to get it. We had a friend who was a car dealer, so that you can go to a car dealer auction and you can get cars for a lot cheaper. So my dad went and I said, Dad, whatever you do, do not give me four doors and do not give me a hatchback. And my dad rolled around the corner, four-door hatchback. But, but, but I was so excited for my first car. I'm 16 years old. You know, I just got my license. My dad said, son, I'm going to go get you a car today. He drives down, and I knew he was coming back sometime that day. And so all day long, I remember this, I was in my living room. I kept just looking out the window. I'd go out on the driveway. I'd be looking down the street. This is before cell phones. I'd be looking down the street. I'd go back in. I'd kind of be watching a little TV. I couldn't handle it anymore. I'd go walk back outside. I'd be looking down the street. There's a concept that waiting is not just that, you know, dad says, I'm going to go bring you a car. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go take a nap. I, I, I'm just going to go just hang out. There's something that says I'm waiting, but I'm waiting in anticipation. I'm waiting, expecting. I'm waiting, looking. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm looking out the window. I'm looking down the street. That is the concept of waiting that God calls us to. And that is the concept that we're to have in prayer. It's not just that we pray, and trust me on this, and if you've been a believer for any length of time, you understand that waiting is part of the Christian life. But how we wait matters. How we wait matters. You're going to wait, but how we wait matters. And part of what we do as we wait is the picture of a hunter. Again, in both of those Greek words, the concept is to lie in wait for or to wait in ambush. There's a concept that in my seasons of waiting, if I can lean forward in anticipation and not take a passive posture, what I'm doing is, is I'm learning the paths of God. This is what Psalms 25, four says. Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. 
So to believe what we're asking God to do is we're like, God, I want to know how you work. I want to know your ways and I want to know your path. Show me your paths. A hunter, again, I don't hunt, but, but if you talk to guys and you do research, uh, uh, somebody that would go hunt for a deer, a deer has travel routes that a hunter will be extremely familiar with. So a hunter will know deers naturally want to go on the edge of fields and along forest lines and shrubbery that, that there are natural funnels of vegetation or topography. So, so literally the hunters would recognize that, that this vegetation or this topography is going to create a funnel and that's where the deer is going to go. They would understand that there are scrapes. They recognize like there's some deer scrapes. If there's deer scrapes, it means that the deer more than likely will be coming back along this path because they repeat themselves. They talk about that, they look at different slopes and terrain and understand that they find the one that would be the easiest for the deer to get up. And that's how they begin to determine, where am I waiting? Because they've learned the path of how a deer moves, it positions them properly in their waiting because their goal is to wait to lie for an ambush. Same thing about deer movement times. It's not just deer travel routes, but deer movement times. When do they eat? What do they eat and where is that found? How do they operate and what type of temperatures? What do they do with the wind, with storms? There's all these things that begin to give them a better understanding of where, where the paths of that deer is. This is, a, as a believer, the Bible says, teach me your ways, show me your paths. I want to know how you move, God. I want to know when you move and where you move. I want to know how you work. I want to know your ways. I want to know your paths. It's that as I'm waiting, I'm not just passively waiting. I'm leaning in and I'm learning and, I, and I'm saying, God, I want to know where to wait. I'm waiting in ambush for you. I know that you'll come by this place. I know this is how you work. I know this is your way. I know this is your path. And so I'm waiting in eager anticipation that God's about to come by this place. That's the concept of waiting. This is why it's so critical that you're actually in the word of God. The word of God shows us his ways. The word of God teaches us how God works, how he thinks, his ways, his past. And as you read scripture, you begin to get a deeper understanding so that as you wait, you can position yourself where God's going to be coming along. It's the same thing of testimonies. Testimonies reveal the ways of God. It's why we, we pay attention so much to testimonies. Right now, uh, recently, we've been just declaring over our church that I very much believe God wants to release people from debt and pay off debt and forgive debt. So we've been declaring this over the last year or so. And testimonies are starting to come now of people that, you know, $13,000 of debt gone, $70,000 of debt gone. But every time I hear those testimonies, I just learned a little bit more of that's how God works right there. Oh, that was so fascinating how God worked there. He waited longer than they thought, but then he came through or he did this or he did that. And I'm learning the ways of God. I'm learning the paths of God. I'm learning how he works so that when I wait for him, I can actively lean in knowing this is, where, this is how God works. It. He'll come by here. I know he will. We are called to wait. But there has to be something in us that says, I want to learn your ways, I want to see your pattern, I want to know how you move. 
This is where faith begins to build in our life. When I pray with anticipation, it's not, it's not just that I pray. I pray with anticipation. I pray expecting something. I pray expecting something. I'm not just praying. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm praying, and even though I haven't seen it yet, I've seen some scrapes of that deer. I know the topography of this land. I know how these deer move. And so I'm, le- I'm waiting on this, and I know that deer is going to come by. There's an anticipation in our prayers that we must not lose. We must not lose. And faith begins to come in our heart when I know how God works and I know his ways. I know his paths. And so because of that, I lean in and people say, well, God hasn't come yet. He will. He will. I know how he works. I know his ways. I know that he's faithful even when I'm faithless. I I know that he responds. I know that he's near to all those who call upon him. I know that sometimes he makes us wait longer than we think. But when he comes, he comes quickly. These are the things that we begin to learn and it it puts a faith in us as we pray. Because it's not just that we pray, it's that we pray believing. Anything you ask in prayer, believing you'll receive. I think you can actually pray and not believe. It's called religion. I can actually go through the motions of prayer and not actually believe. My prayer becomes passive rather than active. My prayer is not leaning in, expecting God to do something. It's passive. This is why, the reason I talk about this is the seasons of waiting, which you will have. If you're not careful, those seasons of waiting are where disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment, distraction, that's when those things begin to set in. Many people begin to get discouraged in their prayer life or they get discouraged in their walk with God in seasons of waiting. And rather than leaning in, rather than praying with anticipation, they begin to disengage. They begin to step back. They begin to put that prayer down that they've prayed for years because they had to wait too long and they're no longer leaning in, actively waiting. That's why understanding how God moves, understanding his past is so critical. When, when, it, when it looks like nothing is happening, it is with eager anticipation that I pray and wait. When it looks like nothing is happening, this is Elijah. Elijah waited differently than we wait. It was prophesied, declared, it's going to rain. He goes and he gets down and he prays and he sends a servant. Comes back, says nothing, there's nothing. Said go again, nothing, go again, nothing, go again, nothing, go again, nothing. This is our prayer life. He waited differently, he just didn't wait. He didn't begin to feel sorry for himself that it hadn't happened yet. He just said go again, go again, go again. Why do you keep going? Because I know how God works. I know who he is. I know his character, I know his nature, I've read scripture, I've heard testimonies, I know that he'll come. He's true to his word, he's true to his word and so I wait in anticipation. And if I gotta send somebody seven times then I'll send somebody seven times, but he will come. 
And the thing that begins to counter the discouragement in our life, the thing that begins to counter the disappointment in our life, when, when we thought maybe, you know, okay, I know I'm supposed to wait, but it's four times, right? And on the fifth time is when I begin to get disappointed. On the sixth time, but we just keep waiting because we know who God is. But waiting, the prayer of anticipation leads to the act of preparation. And this is what, this is really where I want to land with your, your church today. Anticipation leads to preparation. It is amazing to me how sometimes we make Christianity so complex. Jesus made things way more simple than we give credit for, and we like to take what Jesus told us and make it really complex. It, we love intellectual things. We love, I don't know, it's just our intellectual kind of thing that we like when they're complex. But Jesus made things really simple. The Christian life is, is simpler than we imagine it to be, and here's one of the simple things you can do. The simple act of preparation is the life of faith. When I pray in anticipation, it moves me to the act of preparation. And the act of preparation is one of the most profound steps of faith you can take. Again, anything I ask in prayer, believing I shall receive. When God speaks to us, we should begin to prepare for it. How do we know that Noah believed God? This isn't a trick question. <laughs> right? Built an ark. That's how we know he believed God. He began to prepare for what God said. God came, he believed him, he began to prepare for it. The question in our lives is where in your life are you building an ark for what God told you? Show me in your life where you are preparing intentionally in simple ways for what God spoke to you. This is how faith manifests. Faith practically manifests. I believe God and therefore I prepare. I am praying in anticipation. I am looking and I am preparing. We believe people in the natural more than we believe God. Many times when we have guests over to our house, we'll get the house ready. In fact, sometimes when our house is a mess, my wife and I will intentionally invite a couple over because we know it'll make us clean our house. <laughs> sometimes when we're dragging our feet, like, I don't want to clean the house. Invite somebody over. And then we're like, oh, now we're going to have to. So it's horrible but we, we, that we have to do that just to clean our house sometimes. But that's what we do. And, uh, but, but if I say, hey, Phil and Sarah, we, you know, would you guys come over on Thursday night? And Phil and Sarah said, yes, we will come over Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Well, the, the, I believe them. So I prepare my house for them. I get my house ready. I cook a meal. I get things cleaned up. Because Phil and Sarah said they're coming over on Thursday night at 7. Guys, I am telling you, we believe people more than we believe God. Real, honestly. It's an, it's, it's an act of faith. I have faith in what Phil and Sarah said. Therefore, faith looks like preparing my house for them. We believe when people tell us they're coming over to our house more than we believe when God says something. 
And we know that because our life isn't leaning in and our life isn't preparing. There should be areas of your life where you are building an ark because God told you. And when people look at the sky and say, it's not even close, there's like, there's not even a cloud in the sky. He said, I know, but God told me there will be. This is why we look foolish to the world. This is why the Lord uses foolish people. Because this stuff looks silly. Why are you building an ark? Because God told me. I, I, I really believe that preparation is the seed we plant in anticipation. So if, if waiting is actively leaning in, is waiting is, is looking, I'm lying in wait for God. He's going to come by here. I know he is. And so I'm waiting, I'm looking, he's spoken to me. Preparation is the seed that I plant from my, from my anticipation. And the seed that we plant, God always responds to in greater measure. This is the pro, pro, profound part of God. That my action, he responds to in a more profound way. Do you know uh, Newton's, I think it's Newton's third law. For every action, there's an equal, I don't know if it's Newton's third law, it's one of his laws, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if I throw a ball against a wall, that action leads to an equal and opposite reaction. That, that is not a kingdom principle. That is a natural principle. The kingdom principle says, the kingdom law is this. For every action, there is a more substantial and greater reaction. So, so every time I do an act of preparation, it's a seed I plant in anticipation, but God always responds to that seed greater than the seed. God doesn't respond to my action with an equal and opposite reaction. He responds to my action with a greater and more significant reaction. Ask the boy who brought the five loaves and two fish. God did not multiply it and give him back five loaves and two fish. He always responds in greater ways. And even in the natural, you know, a, 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 um, a seed that I plant in the ground for, uh, say, like an apple tree, one apple tree can produce up to a thousand apples in a season, multiplied by however many seeds are in that apple. So I plant one seed, and that tree that comes from that one seed in one season produces a thousand apples. That's why you can begin to see critical mass happen and, and momentum happen in a church when every single one of you begin to plant seeds of preparation in anticipation because all of a sudden our little seeds that we plant in faith towards God begin to grow and multiply and produce a thousand apples a season for us. Not just from the people that stand behind the pulpit, but everybody engaged in this thing. Here's the two areas that I just want to prophetically tell you. I, I very much believe that this church needs to be in preparation for two things. And in anticipation for two things. One is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, both personally and corporately. Both personally and corporately. And I believe God intends to pour out his spirit individually and corporately in this church. 
and how you prepare matters. There's, there's a story in the Old Testament where Elisha comes to a widow, a widow, and, uh, she, and she's about to have to sell her sons into slavery, and he says, well, what do you have? And she goes, I've got a jar and oil. And he tells her what he's going to do. He said, go gather as many vessels as possible and then bring them into the house, and we're going to fill them up. So, so she, he, her sons and her do. They go, they go all around the city, and they gather as many vessels as possible. They bring them in the house. They shut the doors. And he takes a jar of oil, and he fills every jar, every container. And it says that when they got to the last container, the oil ceased. So the principle is this, that if, there, if they would have gathered more containers, would there have been more oil? Their level of preparation is what determined for them their level of outpouring. So the amount of oil that came was completely connected to how many containers they gathered. So the prayer of anticipation is looking for the outpouring and the act of preparation is getting ready for the outpouring. So we know this. God said he's going to move in our midst. He's going to pour out his spirit. There's going to be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my own personal life and in our corporate life. So this church, this church, and individually, when you say, what's, what's the season you're in? We're gathering containers. We're gathering containers. I'm just gathering containers because God's going to pour out his spirit. And we need to be ready for what God's about to do. And we're just gathering containers. We don't gather containers that this is why wine gets lost and oil gets lost because God tells us to prepare. We don't believe him and don't prepare and oil gets poured out and there's no containers to contain what God's doing. So there have been many revivals that have stopped short because people actually haven't been. God comes and tells them to prepare. They don't really do it. He comes. This is what happens. So, so what is your life about right now? I'm, just, I'm gathering containers. I'm gathering containers in my life. I want, to, I want to expand my capacity to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want our church to be able to comp- expand their capacity to be able to receive what God wants to do. I personally want to expand my capacity so that I can receive what God wants to do. But the second thing is this. I very much believe that you need to prepare for the harvest by strengthening your nets. Jesus comes to Peter and he says, go cast your nets. He goes, they go, cast a net. They have to get more nets. Nets are breaking. They weren't prepared. Jesus tells them what to do. They weren't prepared. So, so I very much believe that prophetically, this church needs to be ready, needs to expand its capacity to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and needs to make sure that its nets, which is us, which is a family, is strong enough to handle the harvest. And I, I, I feel we pray for the harvest all the time and we really don't know what we're praying for. We're like, God, give us a harvest and our nets have holes in them, our nets are, are not mended, our nets are not sufficient for what we're praying for. 
It's that I pray and I prepare. I pray and I prepare. I pray and I prepare. That's the life of a believer. But right now you've got to strengthen your nets. Why would you go to two services? It's not just that the room's full. It's not just a reactionary concept. It's a it's a preparatory concept. <laughs> it's a preparatory concept. It, it's it, it's not just a concept in reaction. It's a concept in preparation. It's not just that we're like, okay, all right, look, there's a lot of people. We better go to two services. No, God said He's going to give us a harvest. Why do we begin to do elements? Why do we ask people to jump in and begin to serve? Because our nets had better be strong for when the harvest comes. We don't ask people just to jump in and serve and contribute to the family because somehow we need a workforce and somehow that's what churches do because what does it look like when the harvest begins to come in? What does it look like when new believers begin to flood into this place? What does it look like when people need to be discipled and people need to be cared for and people need to be loved and people need to know where to park a car? Practically speaking, what happens if this church doubles tomorrow? I mean, that's the question. What happens if this church, Phil just went through stuff in his own church. This Phil, I didn't introduce you, by the way. This is Phil Manginelli, pastor from Atlanta. Stand up real quick. Come on. Phil, he's been here before, but can you say hi to Phil? I only hang out with Phil's. That's all I do. <laughs> Phil's seen some really incredible increase. And it's amazing. If you don't prepare, increase can actually hurt you. We think increase is all, increase is not a blessing if you are not actually prepared for it. Increase causes problems both on a personal relational level and on a structural organizational level. Literally, I can't park cars. We can't get kids into children's ministry, into game changers. None of this stuff happens. We don't have, it's all this stuff. And the harvest that comes in, we begin to lose. It begins to slip through our nets because we didn't actually believe God. We didn't actually begin to prepare for it. Why do we go to two services? Because I believe there's a harvest coming. Why do we begin to raise up people who jump onto teams to serve, to lay their lives down? Because I believe there's a harvest coming. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? There has to be something as a church we begin to say that, that yes, you, you might be in a season of waiting. Pray in anticipation. Pray with anticipation in your heart. If you have taken a passive stance in your waiting, re-engage the active waiting on God. Ask him to show, show him your ways. Ask him to teach you his paths. Say, God, I want to wait in ambush for you. I want to lie in ambush waiting for you. I know you're going to come here. And they begin to let your prayer of anticipation lead to the action of preparation. Let it lead to saying, looking around, going, Lord, what in my life do I need to do to prepare myself, to expand my capacity for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life? God, this is what I'm hungry for. I want to see you move in my life. I want to see you touch me in a fresh way. I want to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life. What do I need to do? Where in my life am I building arcs? Because of what you told me. Where am I doing that? And then where, Lord, is a church? Are we preparing for the harvest to come in? Some of you, honestly, you may need a house that has an extra room because the harvest is going to come. The Lord may tell you to bring somebody in your house, disciple them, love on them. There may be single mothers 
that the Lord tells you to go and bring him into your house for a season. Like there's so, like what is it, Lord, that I'm to prepare for? Why do you have an empty room in your house so you've gotten ready? Why did you move? Why did you downsize? Why did you sell things? Why are you gearing up your life for this? Because the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me. And as a church, we better be ready. As individuals, we better be ready. This is why the excitement, sometimes people, I'm just talking practically about two services right now, but uh, uh, we went to three services recently in the morning, and uh, it means that not every, you know, we love, we love in a room as, as, as pastors, like the room packed with people is exciting. The problem is it's just not practical for the harvest. There needs to be an excitement when you go to two services and there's some empty chairs around. There needs to be an excitement. Those chairs are empty because the harvest is coming. Those chairs are empty, but they won't always be empty. Here's why we have empty chairs in this room, because we're believing God. There should be an excitement in my heart when I see an empty chair, because I know God is going to begin to bring the harvest in. And this is us strengthening our nets and I just want to be a part of it. I tell you, that's what happens with me. I'm like, God, I don't care where I'm a part of it. I just want to be a part of it. I, honestly, I just, I, I just want to be at the table. I don't even care where I'm at the table. Just, just make, I just want to be at the table when all this stuff happens. And I really believe that that is where, as a church, you are. And I would just challenge you. I would encourage you. Pray with anticipation and prepare. And let that be the rhythm. I pray, I, I pray in anticipation, I prepare. I pray in anticipation, I prepare, both personally and corporately. Stand up with me. This is also, honestly, I didn't mention the building this morning, but this is why it's so critical that you guys move towards a building. Listen, a building is not just kind of like a cool thing and, man, it'd be great to have a building and not set up and tear down. I mean, we can live with set up and tear down. But, but you need a place where you're going to be able to really gather a family. You need a place where you're going to really be able to reach a city and where you're going to be able to train and equip people, where you're going to be able to do what the church needs to do with the harvest. Why do you move towards a building? Why do we need to go raise money for this thing? Because a harvest is coming. Because an outpouring is coming. And this will not be sufficient for what God spoke to us. Meeting in this place will not be sufficient for what God spoke to us. Therefore, we are in preparation mode. We're in preparation mode. And everything we're doing and all the changes that are happening and all, and all the structures that are morphing and the leaders that are being raised up and the people that are serving all in anticipation, all in preparation for what God is doing. This isn't just a church growth strategy. It's a preparation strategy for what God is selling us. Will you grab the hand of somebody next to you? God, my prayer, my prayer is that you would speak to every one of us in this room. That, that areas that we have lost anticipation in our prayers, that we would once again lean in, actively looking for you in our prayers. And then, Lord, I pray that this church would begin to prepare for what you've said. God, I ask that you would release finances over this place for a building. God, that you would put it on the hearts of people to give into this. 
not just in this city, but what you are going to do in the UK. God, you're going to pour out your spirit in this nation. You're going to pour out your spirit in Manchester. God, may we be ready for what you're about to do. I pray, God, that you'd release finances for this church to get into a building. I pray that you would continue to give strategy and insight on how to raise up people that would contribute to the family and serve, that we would make room, that there would be empty chairs in this room, that we would, with faith, make room for the harvest that's coming. And God, you would show us our part in this as well. And God, we just, we're so grateful. We just say this morning, God, show me your ways and teach me your paths. God, I want to know your ways and I want to know your paths. I want to be able to follow you and I want to be able to wait for you. I want to do those two things really good. I want to be able to follow you and I want to be able to wait in anticipation for you coming. Prepare our hearts for this, God. Prepare our hearts for this. Prepare our lives for this. May it affect, may it touch our time. May it touch our energy. May it touch our finances. May it touch our focus. May every area of our lives be with anticipation and preparation for what you said you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen.